Well, we have been studying uh, the miracles of Jesus for the last several weeks, and we're coming down to uh, having gone through quite a few of the miracles of Jesus. And tonight we're going to look at another one. And this one's a little different from most others. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And and uh, a lot of times the miracles of Jesus had uh, a specific uh, 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 message that, that was uh, wanting to convey people. This one's a little different in that it's primarily a miracle to help with someone uh, without having a lot lot to do with with other messages or meanings. But there is some in there as well, and we want to look at it for that reason. We're looking at Luke chapter 13, and Jesus has uh, been... uh, and dealing with with uh, these different uh, situations and, and healing, and uh, uh, so we come to now this uh, this one found in Luke thirteen verse ten, and it says, and he uh, he was Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was uh, verse eleven, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered and said uh, uh, with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and in them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman be a being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced in glorious things that were done by him. Now, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the the miracles that we've referenced uh, relate to men and and I don't know if that, that has a lot to do with the patriarchal system uh, that was uh, in existence in Israel at the time, but uh, certainly women and children didn't uh, have the same kind of, of standing in society as men did. Um, and so for this reason, I believe uh, this is one of those miracles that stands out in that uh, Jesus uh, performed this miracle on a woman. Uh, this, uh, but, and I think that has a lot of significance in that Jesus is not um, uh, being discriminatory in that he does mirac- did miracles for both men and women, and as well as children, in spite of the uh, the overwhelming patriarchal system that was evident in uh, Israel at the time. But uh, you know, God has made us to be uh, 
uh, an image of Him. And the Bible tells us in Genesis that we're uh, made in the image of God. And, and God is, uh, tri- uh, is expressed to us through the Trinity. And we uh, have a triune uh, uh, expression in us as well. Uh, you know, we worship God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all God, and they are all uh, as much God as is the other. Uh, and there's not one that is more greater God than than you know. Jesus is not lesser God than God the Father. God the Holy Spirit is not lesser a part of God than uh, Jesus or God the Father. Uh, they're all God, and they all are uh, worthy of our praise and worship. And and so uh, we have within us an image of God in in this triune state, in that we are uh, body, mind, and soul. You know, God uh, works within us, and He heals our bodies. Uh, and we uh, see this healing of this woman that is healed in her body, and it has nothing to do with her uh, being. Uh, Jesus doesn't say anything about her uh, sins are forgiven or anything like that. There's a lot of, of uh, miracles in which Jesus performs in which He deals with the spiritual nature and He deals with the spiritual aspect of the fact that uh, their faith has made them whole or their uh, their sins are forgiven and so for that reason they're, uh, they're healed. Uh, there's none of that in this situation. Uh, it's just basically dealing with her physical self. But God does uh, deal with us in our spirit and in our soul. And um, so uh, we are a triune image of God in that we are of of mind, body, and soul. And and the Bible does address that in terms of uh, Jesus when He was asked, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what He said? He said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And so that speaks to that triune aspect of your existence as well uh, uh, when He expressed that and how we should love God with our whole being, not just with our head, not just with our heart, but with our whole self. And so this is a, 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 uh, a miracle that relates primarily to our physical self. And let's look at this again as we uh, dissect this, this uh, miracle tonight. And as we look at it, it says in verse 10, and Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And uh, it's very clear that Luke wants us to understand that this is a Sabbath because it will relate later in, in the criticism of Jesus that He would heal on the Sabbath day. And as you recall, uh, the Levitical law, uh, I think it's around Leviticus 26, it specifically prohibits uh, doing any work, labor on the Sabbath day. And the Jewish... Uh, uh, now, God gave Ten Commandments to the Israelites and He also gave a lot of instructions related to those commandments and how they should keep them. But the Pharisees and Sadducees over the generations had um, developed what uh, uh, some 600 laws related to the Ten Commandments in order that people would be able to keep the Ten Commandments. And 
I would think it'd be easier to keep ten commandments opposed to six hundred laws related to those commandments. But uh, one of the commandments was uh, related to the Sabbath was you could walk a certain certain distance, and of course uh, the desire was that you would be able to walk to the temple on the Sabbath day and worship, uh, but you couldn't uh, walk too much, or else that was considered work. You had to pr- uh, prepare your food. Uh, the day before and save it for the Sabbath day because just simple food preparation was considered work. And that goes back to uh, the instruction that God gave the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness. And when He first gave them manna, He said for them on the Sabbath day, you can collect twice as much manna. Remember uh, saying that? And But on the Sabbath day, you're not to collect any or to prepare any you're to prepare it this on the day before and have it available and what they do is they would grind it up make it into flour and make cakes out of it so he said uh, god said in essence on on uh, the day before the sabbath which would be friday remember the sabbath is saturday uh, on friday they were to collect twice as much and grind it all up make cakes for not only that day but the next day and but any other day of the week that they did that. Remember, it would stink and it would get worms in it and all that kind of thing. Um, so even in Jesus' time, they continued to follow those laws even though they weren't getting manna anymore. They believed that doing anything like uh, food preparation was considered work. And when Jesus and His disciples uh, you doubt me on that. Uh, uh, there's a passage of Scripture in which Jesus and His disciples are walking th- uh, by a field and some of the disciples just put their hand out long enough to gather a little bit of the wheat that was in the field. And they all they did, here's what they did. They went like this to, to take the husk off of it in order to have the grain left. And so they were going to pop them in their mouth and eat them like we would sunflower seeds or something. And all uh, the Pharisees got all up in arms saying that was work because they went like this to get the, the, the shell off, the husk off. And it's not like they were out working eight hours in the field or anything, but that was, that was a criticism that they had of Jesus and His disciples. And Jesus, of course, said, uh, don't you recall uh, David when he was uh, being... Uh, chase that he and his men they went not only did they uh, they ate that which was uh, in the temple uh, that was set aside for the priests um, and so said you know you you can't uh, you know the Sabbath it, that was part of the time when Jesus was saying the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath and so <clears throat> This was a a sticking point, and this was the case in this particular passage as Jesus goes and He's teaching in the synagogue. You know, I find it ironic that they don't mind that Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, but they don't want Him healing in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Wouldn't teaching on the Sabbath be considered work? But uh, I would think so. But but that's not the issue. The issue is him uh, healing this woman. And verse eleven says, "And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity." Now she's not named uh, as specifically, not like Bartimaeus that was named uh, who, the blind man that was uh, out on the road from Jericho. 
this is a woman that's not even uh, named here, and there are some that want to give her a name, and, and uh, her name's not significant. What's significant is Jesus' interaction with her. And so, but she had an infirmity, and it doesn't even list what her infirmity is. All we know is, is that it was a illness that she had had for 18 years, and it was an illness that caused her to be bowed over. Now, it could have been, uh, you know, osteoporosis. It could have been anything that, that you know, a degeneration of her bone uh, structure. Uh, it could be, uh, it could have been a, a muscular disease that caused her muscles to be constricted and keep her bowed over. But whatever it is, she'd had it for 18 years and she was unable to lift up uh, and be straight. And so, and it even says that she could not in any way lift her up, herself up. And when Jesus, verse 12, saw that, uh, her condition, uh, he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. I find it hysterical that there are some who want to take this verse and stop it. Woman, thou art loosed. And and how they want to say, Oh, women are free to do anything. That's not the that's not the that's what that's not what Jesus was saying. That's not what was going on here. He was basically Jesus was saying, uh, you've been bound by this illness. And he was saying to this specific woman, you're uh, loosed from your infirmity. And uh, I, I find it ironic that people will take this one and say, okay, I can be loosed from every, anything that's keeping me from being bound. And while we don't take uh, all the other things that Jesus said uh, in any other time uh, when he's healing somebody and claim that for ourselves, I find it odd. But anyway, Jesus is... Uh, that's a digression that maybe I shouldn't go into. But anyway, Jesus is uh, saying to this woman that she is healed, she's loose from her infirmity, and she's no longer bound by this uh, this disease that's caused her to be bow- uh, bowed over. And uh, verse 13, He laid His hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Now, uh, I think it's significant that Jesus lays his hands upon this woman who is ill. Um, find it also significant that Jesus is in the synagogue and this woman, and he's teaching, and this woman is there and she has this infirmity that would keep uh, that has kept her boat over. I, I wonder how it is that she wasn't considered uh, unclean in order to be in the temple. Maybe it's, she was just outside the entrance to the. Now, if you'll recall, the the temple was laid out in sections there was this uh, uh, most outward section was where women could go and that was also the court of, known as the court of Gentiles that was where where just about anybody could be and obviously this is where Jesus is teaching uh, it's the court of women the court of Gentiles uh, it, it's it's where everybody is is welcome to come into and this woman is there and it could be that she's kind of close to the entrance to the doorway um and in inward from there is the court of men and then there's the holy place and then 
beyond that is the Holy of Holies. And so, um, uh, but uh, she, she, I, I would feel like she would be considered unclean in that she has this infirmity that's caused her to be be bowled over. But it could be that she. Uh, was considered like any older, other older person that might be stooped because of of their age or something. But she uh, apparently wasn't old enough to to have this as a result of age, um, and she is straightened up. Also, Jesus touches her and he's not uh one of the things that that many times the priests and uh pharisees and others would be concerned with was becoming unclean ceremonially unclean uh because that would prevent them from going to the temple for a period of time until they were made ceremonial clean and it usually is a day sometimes up to a week in terms of uh being unclean and having to stay away from from the temple but Jesus is already in the temple she's there and he lays hands on her after he has made her whole and uh, uh, she is uh, lifted up immediately after Jesus heals her and um, this is when the ruler of the synagogue now this would be uh, uh, a a Pharisee that's there and he's a ruler of the synagogue uh, says with indignation to Jesus that uh, there are six days in the week Jesus and he's basically saying to the people in general y'all not to be coming here for Jesus to get to heal you because there are six days in the week you can come on those during those six days but don't come on the sabbath day to be healed uh, in essence because jesus shouldn't be healing that day and jesus points out the hypocrisy of the individual by saying anyone uh that is it anyone in their that who is observing these laws would think nothing of loosing their oxen or their donkey in order to allow them to go and get water. Uh, it doesn't say that they would draw water for them, but just simply allowing their their animal to go get water. Now, I don't know how you feel, ladies, about being compared to a, uh, an animal being loosened to, to go get water, but Jesus is is not comparing her to the animal, but rather saying, you, will, you do those things and think nothing of it. Another circumstance Jesus said when He healed on the Sabbath day was, is if any of you had an oxen who fell into a ditch you would go and get the oxen out of the ditch on the sabbath regardless of the fact that it's the sabbath day and he's saying to to this individual look you don't feel any uh, you don't have any qualms about uh, making sure that your animal is watered on the sabbath day and this lady is a child a daughter of abraham and he links her illness to being afflicted by Satan. I think that's uh, significant as well. He, sh- he says, Satan has bound her for 18 years. And, and I believe what Jesus is trying to say is you should be rejoicing that after 18 years, she's been delivered from this infirmity. And not just simply an illness, but he's linking this to a uh, a... 
a constriction by Satan, a an affliction by Satan. He says, you, you ought to be rejoicing that this child of Abraham has been made whole rather than being um, uh, indignant towards what Jesus has done. And of course, after Jesus has done this, uh, they were ashamed for what they had done and all the people rejoiced uh, for all the glorious things that were done by Him. I think more than anything, we need to to focus on uh, how we ought to not forget to rejoice at what God does. Rejoicing even in... The things, and for me, uh, it's easy to rejoice over, oh, you know, a family member that had cancer is now cancer free, or a family member who had a heart attack is now healthy and whole again, and they're able to go home and they're uh, healthy again. But, But what about? Praising God for the everyday things, the the normal things in our life, and and now while this woman's affirmity was not a normal course uh, in the day in the life of an individual, she'd been dealing with this for for eighteen years. And Jesus says, you know, instead of of looking for the nitpicky things, we ought to rejoice at all the things that God does. And not just the things that God does for us, but what God does for other people. And and I I think it, this is this is amazing uh passage of scripture in that uh, one it shows Jesus' compassion that He's willing to, to heal this woman. It has nothing to do with, with uh, sinfulness or, or nothing to do with, with anything else. He's willing to just simply meet her physical need. Secondly, it's a woman... And Jesus is not not uh, simply healing uh, men or, or a certain type of person, but this is just an average woman who has been affir- infirm. And you have to remember also that that illness and disease were things that that kept you from God more than anything. This healing of this woman allowed her to come into the presence of God in the temple. It allowed her to come close, even though she didn't get to go get very close to the seat of where God uh, God's presence was there in Israel. Um, she was able to come closer than she had uh, for very uh, for uh, I would imagine a good part of her life for 18 years she was able to go into the temple and worship and she was able to go and and more than anything it was for us we see it as a duty or a responsibility to come and be here on ch- at church on Sunday but for those folks then it was a privilege and we ought to really see our time of worship as a privilege as well that we get the opportunity when we come on Sunday when we come on Wednesday night we ought to consider it a privilege to be able to offer up our praise to God now we understand and know that that anywhere we are that God is there with us that uh, we carry around with us those of us who are children of God that we carry around within us the presence of the Almighty and God is everywhere Everywhere 
and that we can worship Him anywhere, but it is significant in that when we come together as the people of God, that we're able to, to offer up our worship to God, offer up our praise to Him, and, and it, it, it is... It ought to be a joy and a delight for us to come into God's house and to be able to offer our worship to Him because He has done so much for us. And it, it ought to be considered a, a, a privilege that we have to come and not a drudgery. You know, it's a shame that people have associated coming to church with a drudgery. It, it, it should be uh, considered a joy and a delight to be able to come and and to be in the house of God where the presence of God is and 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 where it is more tangible than than other places. I mean, that's why we worship and and uh, in church and worship in the house of God because it ought to be more tangible here the presence of God and we're here together uh, and and I feel like uh, when I I bring the presence of God and you bring the presence of God you and and er, everybody else brings the presence of God with them in here we're able to combine our hearts and worship and praise and it ought to be something that is uh, seen as special not not a drudgery and not a uh, and and we ought to rejoice at what God is allowing us to do when we come into His house and this woman who has been been unable to do that for 18 years, finally is able to enter into the presence of God and able to worship God. And she is loose from this burden, uh, loose from this this infirmity that has caused her to be bowed over for so long. Uh, I, I can't, I, I, I've had relatives that as they grew older, they were hunched over and stooped over and, and it seems to be so painful just looking at them being stupid and I, and that's the image i get of this woman who's who not because of her age but because of this infirmity has been stooped over and is just unable to rise up and she's all of a sudden able to to lift her head up high and she's able to to worship god and what a wonderful thing it is that god loves and cares for us enough that he would care for this woman and and show an example of his love for us and his love and desire that we would get to be close to him what a wonderful thing it is to see what jesus did for this woman and expressing his desire that and you know the attitude that jesus has about uh healing this woman about uh his desire to help her in spite of the fact that it who cares if it's the Sabbath day? She is someone in need, and she needs this healing. And 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 that goes along the lines with 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 Jesus' attitude towards helping us. And what I feel like that attitude that led him to the cross, uh, that attitude of love for us so much that he wanted to do what was necessary to get us closer to him. And really, that's what Jesus dying on the cross for us was all about, was uh, allowing, uh, uh, removing the barriers that would keep us from being in fellowship with God, that sin barrier that kept us from uh, being in good 
relationships with God and, and having that loving relationship with God. And here he's doing that in a small sense for this woman by uh, removing this infirmity uh, in her life. So what a wonderful thing, you know, an image of, of God's love for us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your great love. We praise you for the fact that Jesus demonstrates his love for us in this miracle for this woman who was infirm for so long. Lord, we pray that you will help us to uh, revel in our love for you. And Lord, allow us to lift up our worship to you each and every day. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.